This episode is sponsored by me, Andy Hill, the host of this show. If you're looking for someone to support you on your family, wealth, and happiness journey, I'm taking on a select number of coaching clients this year. To work with me one-on-one for your family finances, go to marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching to learn more. If this is a person that you want to be with, then that's why this matters, right? So keep that in mind. Have your commitment to them at the forefront and feel free to say that. I mean, sometimes I'll have clients just say, you know, money's been kind of stressful for me and I'm sorry, I've waited to bring it up. I should have brought it up sooner, but I really care about the future of our relationship and I love you. And I think that this could make our life easier if we got on the same page. So, you know, when's a good time to talk about it? is dedicated to helping you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Welcome to the Marriage, Kids, and Money podcast, everybody. This is Andy Hill, and today we're talking about how to start a money conversation without fighting. I don't know about you, but I've had my fair share of money fights with my lovely wife, Nicole, and they are not fun. I'm always looking to improve how I speak with Nicole because, frankly, fighting sucks. (laughs) That's why I've invited Adam Cole to join me today. Adam is a couples financial counselor and the founder of AHK Coaching. He helps couples heal their relationship with money and each other so they can experience greater peace and love. Adam draws on over a decade of experience as a financial advisor, tax attorney, communication coach, and certified mediator. When Adam isn't helping couples talk about money more effectively, he likes being active in his South Florida community and playing the piano. Welcome to the show, Adam. Thank you so much for having me, Andy. Love what you're up to here and excited to join you and uh, hopefully provide some value to your audience. Excellent, Adam. Thank you so much for joining us and helping us out today. So based on your work that you've had with clients, what are some of the main causes of money fights? Pretty much anything and everything can turn into a fight. What I normally see with couples is around some of these significant decisions that they might have to make. They're moving in together. They're getting engaged or married, having kids, trying to figure out what are these big choices. And those can either cause money fights or if they're not handled effectively, they can leave some bitterness or resentment or feelings of being misunderstood that over time can unfortunately fester and turn into negative feelings and money fights. Yeah. And those negative feelings can either just drag on in the relationship or cause, you know, ultimately divorce. Is that right? Absolutely. I mean, financial stress is one of the top causes of divorce and the top cause of fighting in relationships. Hmm. You know, you mentioned some couples that are engaged and things like that that you're meeting with. So I felt like sometimes when people get together, maybe we're not discussing some of these differences in views on money. Have you found that if in the couples that you've met with? Are we not discussing that right away as we're starting in the dating process? No doubt. Certainly not as we start the dating process. You know, what I normally recommend to people is as you are getting closer, that you feel more trust. And as your finances are starting to affect each other's, that becomes an appropriate time to discuss what you're up to. Or, I mean, it all depends on your timeline, right? Some people meet and they're a little younger and they're like, cool, we're in no rush to get married or have kids. Sometimes people meet and they're like, we would want to have kids really soon, right? They might be a little older, let's say. So it's all relative to you and your timeline, but it's something that most people are nervous to discuss it. They're uncomfortable with the topic in general, even on their own. So to bring it up in a relationship with your partner, that's really 
really scary. So people unfortunately tend to avoid it. Hmm. Where do these views come from? All of our opinions and like how we are about money. Some people like saving more. Some people like spending more. Some people like whatever the way they are. Where does this come from for people? You know, I think conventional wisdom amongst folks like you and me, Andy, in the kind of family and money world is that we have this history with money that started when we were kids, you know, how we saw our parents relate to money. And we don't necessarily do it the same way our parents did it. Sometimes we try and do it the opposite way our parents did it. But either way, all of these formative experiences we have influence the way that we relate to and view money. And it's not just what we saw inside of our family or with friends. It's also our different identities. So for example, uh, society holds different expectations of men versus women when it comes to money, or there's different systems and things in place that can affect people of different ethnicities or different sexual orientations differently. And a lot of these stereotypes, whether we accept them or reject them, they nevertheless get into our psyche. And a lot of people have not necessarily dug into this and seen which parts they like and which parts they dislike. So that's a lot of the work that I encourage couples to do is understand their own relationship to money. And then once you do that and you can understand your partner's relationship to money, now you're really out of the curve. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, having some time to really understand where we are might then give us more empathy for our partners and their views. Is that right? Absolutely. And, you know, because I work with couples, a question I always like to ask is, what has money been like for you in past relationships? And a lot of times there is a partner who's experienced some sort of financial abuse or financial infidelity, like hiding of accounts or spending or somebody who took advantage of them financially. And, you know, they felt like they had to provide for that other person and that person wasn't doing their part. So, you know, we bring a lot of that as well with us into our current partnerships and to develop some awareness and cognizance of how that influences our perspectives and our actions is really valuable. Hmm. Well, let's talk about how we can be proactive then in our marriage and avoid some of these fights. So what are some ways to avoid money fights in general? Yeah, well, the first thing I want to say is like there's a distinction between a fight and like a kind of nasty fight versus a constructive conversation. I mean, look, money is not the easiest topic and there are bound to be some growing pains with the vast majority of couples when they start talking about this. So if the situation is tense or uncomfortable, that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's what do you do about it, right? Do you practice compassionate listening? Do you practice communication in a healthy way? And so honestly, a lot of the same tools that you'd have in other aspects of your relationship and how you'd want to communicate with your partner, you bring them right here to the money conversation. You ask them questions. You are curious about their past and how they feel. You listen to what they have to say. You share what you feel in a way that doesn't blame anyone, but just acknowledges this is how I've been feeling in this situation or when this thing happens. And the more you practice talking about it, the safer it'll feel. And eventually you'll be able to take that connection you have and really look at the numbers concretely. Okay, well, how do we come together on a shared vision for our future? What does that look like if we put it in a budget? And then there's plenty of tools and calculators out there that'll help you plug in the numbers. And then you can go from there. You started to talk about the budget there. So why is that important to this process of coming together and communicating effectively? You know, just because you and your partner can talk about money, right? That doesn't mean that you won't have any financial stress, right? For example, you still have to pay rent when rent is due. And even if you have a bunch of money, if you two can't communicate about it in a healthy way, that also doesn't work because it's going to be a subject of tension, resentment, bitterness, these kinds of feelings, which are not good for intimacy in a relationship. So the budget is one piece that you know I often recommend to people to 
be able to fit in with their overall plan. You know, the whole idea of this work I do with couples is to improve their relationship and to help them have their money do the work for them that they want it to do so they can live the kind of lives they want to live. And so the budget is just one piece of the framework, you know, and I normally say, let's start with the big picture. Let's get a vision for our goals and what we want to create. And then from there we zoom in and say, okay, well, what's it going to take to achieve those goals? And let's say maybe on a yearly or a biannually or a monthly basis. And then from there, Right now, we actually look to put together some sort of spending plan or budget and keep an eye on that and make sure that we're staying on track. What are some goals that you're finding couples have? You know, you get together with these couples and they say, okay, this is a shared goal that we could both get behind. What are some financial goals you're finding? You know, there's a lot of them and it's kind of what you would expect uh, around retirement and around buying a home. But one thing I want to point out that's been coming up recently with clients is It's more the goals they don't let themselves have because of their financial situation. So I've had clients recently say to me, yeah, I mean, we'd really like to get married, but we just our finances aren't in order. Or, yeah, I mean, I'd ideally like to have three kids, but honestly, like one or two right now, because I just I I can't take that chance financially. So there's a lot of things that they're not feeling able to do. And that's what's kind of heartbreaking, right? You feel like you can't make the choices you want to have the kind of family you want or the lifestyle you want because of your finances. And so identifying those things, you know, sometimes even just really like if money were no object, what would you be doing or what would you want? Like those kinds of questions are valuable because sometimes one or both people will just kind of cut themselves off from even dreaming or hoping or imagining or wishing because they don't believe it's possible. Right. So they'd rather like kind of cut it off and not be disappointed. And so that's what I really want to shine a light on is the things that we're not acknowledging we want or that we've given up hope on because we are worried about our finances or don't think they can support it. Because those are the things that we often really desire deeply. And the more deeply we desire our goals, oftentimes the easier it can be to execute on them and make some of the tougher calls, you know, day to day with our spending plans and habits. Hmm. How much is student loans affecting those types of long-term plans right now? I know that's a big issue for a lot of the country. Absolutely. I mean, it's huge. It's significant. I have personal experience with it and I get it. And like anything else, the more you and your partner feel safe to talk to each other, the better, right? So that you can sit down and explore all the different options and how you'd feel about those various things and come to an agreement. And I mean, there's no doubt they play a significant role and it can be a challenge. So this is one of the things it's not kind of topic number one, student loans as in the first thing to discuss because it's a little bit more dense. And I like to encourage couples to have a little bit more trust and safety as far as talking money is concerned under their belt before they dive into something as complex as student loans. But there's no doubt it's essential. And, you know, it's a thing you'll want to get to because the implications of it are not just financial, right? They have to do with a lot of fears of, am I being taken advantage of, or I'm uncomfortable letting this person help me out, or like, this is mine, I should have to deal with it. But inside of that is shame about the amount of student loans you have, or the other person is helping you out and they feel good and you don't give them a chance, or maybe they're helping you out and they start to feel resentful or you feel patronized, right? There's so much complexity here that is very important to talk about. And again, I recommend doing that after you've established a little bit of a foundation of healthy dialogue. Yeah, you brought up something interesting there about the my money versus their money sort of thing. Have you found that different couples like to handle the money in different ways with regard to the budget and and it's okay for some people to have their own accounts? How has that worked for you? 
Yeah. Well, you'll find that my approach is not prescriptive. Typically, what I care about is that each person feels good, that they're communicating in a healthy way about it, that they understand the pros and cons of the choices they're making. They understand how everyone feels about the different options and they choose based on that in a way that feels fair, equitable, that everybody's left feeling good and understood. So definitely there seems to be a trend in my experience with younger folks and maybe people who are in like their 30s or 40s now will be doing a lot of one joint account that pays for joint expenses. And both people contribute to that in some way. And then they might have some separate money as well. And on the personal end of things, I think that's a really great approach. I think it shows both solidarity and teamwork, but also gives you some autonomy and freedom to spend as you see fit. But even that, it's really important that you get on the same page because someone might have hurt feelings about that you don't combine everything, right? Or someone might have hurt feelings about they may feel forced to combine everything if that's the route you go. So again, whichever path you choose, I've seen all kinds of different configurations. And I think the key is that you both feel good about it, that you understand why you're doing it, and that you feel like it's okay to revisit that if it's not working at some point down the line. We'll be back to the show after a word from our sponsors. Are you looking for someone to walk alongside you on your journey to family financial independence? Well, I would love to help you achieve your goals and help your family thrive. I work with couples, individuals, and families all around the U.S. via video chat and can assist in the following areas. Becoming debt-free, growing your net worth, crafting and sticking to your budget, reviewing Coast Fire plans, developing strategies to build generational wealth for your kids, and designing your future work-optional lifestyle. Doesn't that sound nice? (laughs) If you're interested in working with me one-on-one, you can book a time with me by visiting marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching. I would love to help you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Visit marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching to learn more, or you can click the link in our show description. If you're looking to improve your financial situation, it helps when you're able to cut out unnecessary costs. Cell phone services are a necessity for sure, but we don't need to be overpaying for them, right? That's why I like Tello Mobile, a phone service worth talking about. We've been fully on board as a family with Tello for over two years now, and we are so happy that we made the switch. For us, the reception and data service is better than Verizon, and our costs were nearly cut in half. Tello runs on the T-Mobile network and it's wowing new customers like us with their rock bottom prices and stellar service. With over 10,000 reviews, Tello is rated as excellent on Trustpilot, and this is quite rare in the wireless world. Nicole and I went for the unlimited data, minutes, and texting plan for only 25 bucks per month each. Isn't that crazy? You heard that right. $25 is their most expensive plan, actually. And Tello is running a special offer for MKM listeners right now. Check out Tello today at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. That's marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello and use the code MKM20 to get 20% off on your first month of service for any Tello plan above that $10 per month mark. Again, use MKM20 to get 20% off at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello, and you'll be supporting this show. Hurry up. The code is valid until April 19th, 2024. Marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. Thanks for taking time to consider our sponsors, everybody. Let's jump back into the show. 
Nicole and I have played around with that. We have joint bank account for everything, really. But we've talked about separating into different accounts for some of the extra stuff, you know, the little things that she likes to buy and the things that I like to do. And ultimately, we've come together just to keep it as is, but create some budget line items that allow us to do those types of things that we want to do, because we do have differences in in our spending plans and our savings plans. And that's okay, right? I'll get a little personal with you. Some of the things that Nicole and I have thought about in the past is, is my desire to save and invest for the future. And she's got this sort of desire to, hey, we've got the money today. Let's enjoy it. Let's have a great day. Let's have a great life. What effective ways have you found for couples to find that middle ground versus sort of somebody who's, you know, a passionate saver and somebody who wants to enjoy today? Yeah, yeah. Well, first of all, thanks for sharing that, Andy. And it's definitely a common challenge that we see. You know, it's not so much that people are like the saver or the live now person. Sometimes they fall neatly into those boxes, but unless you're in the same exact place along that continuum, then some differences are going to show up over time. And Without a doubt, the best thing to do here is to communicate even more, right? Talk about what it is that you want to do and why do you want to do that, right? Like kind of what are the overall goals? What are some of the concerns underlying like, hey, if we spend this money now, like what am I afraid of? And if we go and save this now, what am I worried I'm going to miss? And the key is if you have a bigger picture plan then that is going to allow you to evaluate some of these decisions and choices. But at the end of the day, I would say my best tip here is don't view your partner who has a perspective that might be different than yours. Resist the temptation to view them as the opposition or as an enemy, even in the most dramatic circumstance, or as someone who doesn't care about you and is out to get you and make you anxious or make you bored, depending on which perspective you're coming from, right? See if you can recast this as like, we're teammates. So it's like, Andy wants to save and Nicole wants to enjoy today. Maybe there are ways we can accomplish both of those goals, right? What would that look like? What does saving mean? What's the importance of it? What does this activity mean to Nicole that we could go do? And just to be able to view it, sometimes it's as simple as substituting the word but for and. It's like, oh, I want to go on this trip, but my partner wants to save. What if it's I want to go on this trip and my partner wants to save, right? What's available to us if we look at it as both things are true? Because Both of those perspectives are true. Those are each of your unique perspectives and they're valid automatically, right? And so how can we have them live in concert, right? Coming to it from that place of partnership, of teamwork, of working together is going to kind of remove that oppositional aspect and refocus you on the solutions. I think that's great. And actually, you know, as you were giving me that feedback, I almost wanted to take back my question because you're right. We don't both fall into those boxes of I'm the saver and she's the spender. It's it's actually not true, really. As it came out of my mouth, I was kind of wanting to pull it back because there are things that I love spending on. I love traveling. I love, you know, spending uh, on uh, really nice camps for my kids and for their sporting activities. And she likes spending on different things. So to your point, you know, kind of isolating each other and saying, well, he's the saver and I'm the spender. Then that puts it as an opposition as opposed to teammates. So I really like your feedback there. Thank you very much for that. And it's something that I'm going to work on with passionate listening too. So tell me a little bit about passionate listening. You mentioned that earlier and we kind of breezed by it. What does that mean to passionately listen? Basically, listening is to me at the core of communication. And this is really what I learned in my training as a mediator, in my experiences as a community organizer, is the value of that. And, you know, I see listening as two parts. One is the 
actual listening. And the other one is how are you communicating with them as far as like asking good questions, right? Giving them feedback, making sure they feel understood. And so to me, when your partner is talking to you about something, we have our own challenges in our own mind. And a lot of us struggle to sit still. And so it can almost seem like annoying sometimes like, okay, okay, finish your story. But especially when it comes to a topic that is is emotionally important as money and as important to the future of your partnership and your family as money, it's a really beautiful opportunity to bring that love you have for your partner to the conversation and listen to them. Because when they're telling you something, there is a message in there. There is gold that you can be mining for if you're listening, right? And just being able to listen to them from a place of compassion, of empathy, validating their feelings and experience, that is the kind of thing that builds trust over time and makes someone feel cared for. And I just recommend doing that, of course, as much as you can, including around money. And the beautiful thing about empathetic listening and compassionate listening and validating someone is that you don't necessarily have to agree with them, right? Like it could be like your wife could be listening to you and you're talking about all this money you want to spend on kids camp and vacations. And she feels differently, but she could still say to you, yeah, I mean, Andy, I totally get you want to give them that really amazing experience. And that sleepaway camp would be fantastic, right? That doesn't mean she's saying, okay, let's send them to sleepaway camp. It just means she's taking a moment putting aside her own opinions to really listen to you and hear what you have to say. I love that, man. That's very helpful. And I think it's a a call to all of us to find ways to passionately listen. And to your point, it doesn't have to be just about money. Listen for those little nuggets that come out for ways that you could really treat your spouse and, and make your relationship shine. So I completely agree with you, man. Let's talk about the couple's financial counseling piece of this. When is that a good idea to consider? I know you are one of those fellows, a counselor that does that work. When is it a good idea for couples to consider that type of support? Yeah. Well, I mean, of course, I think that my work can benefit couples at any phase of their relationship. And I've worked with a wide variety of people, but typically when they come to me, there's some sort of important event coming. So maybe this is we're looking to get engaged or move in together, or maybe it's we are looking to get about to get married or we just got married, about to have kids or just had kids, right? Something like this, that is usually when people are like, you know what, we really ought to get on the same page about this. Another big one is we want to buy a house or we just bought a house, right? Things like this are often when people come to me Or just if things are really kind of getting tough, it becomes really difficult for you to talk about money, whether you're afraid to talk about it, you feel overwhelmed about it, or you're fighting about it, whatever the case may be, like when you just feel that that disconnect is growing, unfortunately, right? That's an important time to seek the support of a third party who has some skill and expertise in these areas who can help you out. Got it. So what type of activities are you doing with them and what sort of benefits could people realized by visiting with a couple's financial counselor. Yeah, absolutely. And just to be clear, I mean, I'm not licensed as a therapist. I used to be a barred attorney in the state of New York and I am a certified mediator. And so, you know, I kind of bring a little bit of what I've learned from my various trainings in life and I bring it all together. And for my clients, we do a lot of the stuff I've been talking about here, which is, you know, lean into understanding your perspectives on money and why you feel the way you feel about money and where it came from. And then being able now to effectively share that with your partner. 
and I model effective listening and communication and also give people tools and skills and training on how to listen to their partner empathetically. I'm kind of shepherding them along in this process of we first do the work to build a foundation of trust and shared communication, identifying our key values and priorities and goals. And then once we've built that foundation of trust and communication, now we can actually sit down and say, all right, what are the goals we're going to prioritize, right? And how are we going to get there? And let's make a plan. And at this point, once they're able to start creating the nitty gritty of this plan and executing it, well, now there's actually a base, there's a foundation to go from. And this plan feels like something they came together around. And so there's a lot more buy-in than just, let's say, one person dictating a plan or downloading some plan made for you from someone's website. The process is structured, but also organic because each couple is unique. And like I said, I mean, so I've had couples come to me on the verge of divorce. In fact, the very first couple I ever worked with in our consultation call, I said to the wife, how's this going to go if nothing changes? And she said, honestly, if nothing changes in a few years, I'm probably going to walk out when the kids are a little bit older. And it was the first time she'd ever said that. And her husband was sitting right next to her. You know, that was a moment where my training came in to allow me to know how to hold space for that, to how to handle that moment, how to be present with her and validate her feelings, like acknowledge what she was going through and then check in with her husband about how he felt about all of that. And fast forward a few months later, as they're wrapping up working with me and she says, Adam, I called Michael my best friend again. I haven't called him that in years, right? I was, I was talking to my girlfriend and I said, and blah, blah, blah. And he's my best friend. Oh my God, I couldn't believe it. Right. And they paid off over $25,000 in debt. I think it was 26,000 to be exact of debt while they were working with me. Right. And they've continued on from there. The wife was able to restart her business. The husband got a raise at work. They were just happier and more connected overall, which is really the ultimate goal because I view money as a tool to help you live the life you want to live and have the kind of relationship you want to have. So my goal is that they're feeling happier and more connected. They are now showing their kids and teaching their kids about how to deal with finances. They both feel better about the split. And, you know, those are common types of results. But for them, it was this particularly dramatic shift because they came from basically being on the verge of divorce, that she was so dissatisfied that at that point she was only holding on for the sake of the kids. And from there, a complete 180 back to being best friends and in just so much better financial situation. And, you know, been able to have results like that time and again with clients, increasing their income, improving their saving and investing, and most importantly, feeling comfortable and confident and safe with each other to talk about this really important topic. That's great. It's, it's a coach, man. That makes sense. Everybody needs a third party coach to kind of jump in to help them get a little boost. So that's very cool. I appreciate you sharing that story with us. That's awesome. There's somebody listening right now and they're thinking, you know, this advice is great and it could be effective for me, but I cannot get my spouse to even talk to me about money, let alone argue about it. So what would you say to that person? Yeah, absolutely. Well, first thing is, if you'd like, I mean, I, I created a free guide on how to start the money conversation with your significant other. It's particularly tailored to women in relationships with men, but the advice will work regardless of gender. So I'm happy to share that with your audience, Andy. But in general, the approach that I outline in that guide is to, first of all, Check in with yourself. If you are committed to having this conversation, then that's fantastic. A lot of couples, unfortunately, don't. And as we've talked about, it can be really difficult for them and even lead to divorce. So great job on being committed to wanting to talk about it and seeing the opportunity there. I'm thrilled that you see that. Take a breath. 
right? And say, why do I want to have this conversation with this particular person? Because you're not really talking to a stranger on the street or the barista at Starbucks about what your financial hopes and dreams are, right? The reason you're talking to this person is because they're your partner, right? You have a vision of life that you're trying to build with them. If you didn't, then who cares about having this conversation? But if you do, if this is a person that you want to be with, then that's why this matters, right? So keep that in mind. Have your commitment to them at the forefront and feel free to just say that. I mean, sometimes I'll have clients just say, you know, money's been kind of stressful for me and I'm sorry, I, I've waited to bring it up. I should have brought it up sooner, but I really care about the future of our relationship and I love you. And I think that this could make our life easier if we got on the same page. So, you know, when's a good time to talk about it, right? And just coming with an approach like that, it's framing. And, you know, sometimes it's like, oh, framing can seem like a little shallow, but it's really important here because it's very different than saying, Andy, we need to talk about our money now, right? Versus like, hey, Andy, you know, I really care about you and I want to make sure that this works as well as it can. And I think getting on the same page about finances would be beneficial. When's a good time to talk? Like, when do you think we can talk? Because that's really what's true. And the thing is with money and any other tense topic, when we bring it up, there's a past there and there's history and there's triggers and there's defensiveness. And when you ground your request to talk about money in the care you have for your significant other and the future you want to build with them, right? That is going to go a long way in having them be open and receptive to that conversation. I love that. Well, let's talk about where people can find that free guide and then where people can connect with you further, Adam. Yeah, absolutely. So the best place to connect with me is my website, which is, as you said before, AHK Coaching is my company. So A is in Aardvark, H is in Hippopotamus, K is in Kangaroo. So AHKcoaching.com is my website. I'm happy to share in the show notes the link to get that free guide. But the website, I have a shortened link for it, a bit.ly. So it's B-I-T period L-Y, B-I-T period L-Y slash talk money with Ben, all lowercase talk money with men. So that's the quick and easy URL. I'm at AHK coaching on Instagram and you can find me on LinkedIn as well, but I would say my website. And then I also have a podcast where I talk about everything related to money and relationships. So happy to stand on the shoulders of giants like El Martinez, a couple money. And of course you, Andy, and my podcast is called the equal partners podcast, and you can find it everywhere you find podcasts. And so you can find me there as well. Excellent. Adam, I really appreciate your time today, helping people to develop a relationship together with their spouse that they're really excited about and just, I guess, take their family to the next level. So thank you so much, Adam. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me, Andy. What a great reminder of the importance of dedicating time and attention to our relationships. Here are my top three takeaways from my conversation with Adam Cole. Number one, create a bigger picture plan with your spouse. Now, maybe your initial goals are different in marriage or in your relationship. That's okay. Find a way where both parties can be happy. But it starts with sitting down together and creating a plan. Now, this plan will be born from the spirit of how can we do this together? Or as Adam said, how can we live in concert? That's nice. I like that one. <laughs> Number two, passionately listen. Yes, listening is the first step, everybody, but we need to make sure we're not just waiting to respond. I do this so much where 
Nicole is talking to me about something important to her and I'm just ready with my answer before she even finishes talking. And that's, that's not the way to passionately listen, right? Passionately listen by asking clarifying questions and then providing feedback on what your spouse said. As Adam said, this is where the gold is, right? If you truly want to understand your spouse's motivations, it's time to passionately listen. Number three, seek out a third party for support. If you need support with communicating with your spouse about money, partner up with a counselor. Don't think of this as a marriage or relationship failure moment. Think of it as an investment in the most important relationship in your life. Nicole and I did 18 months of counseling together, and it was incredibly beneficial for our relationship. We learned how to communicate better, and I learned how to truly listen. Now, there's always room for improvement, and yeah, we still fight from time to time. But when I go back to the principles that I learned in counseling and the principles that Adam outlined today, that always helps things go a lot smoother in our relationship. Adam, thank you so much for helping us all have better and more harmonious relationships. I think everyone would agree that fewer money fights would be a great place to be. As a quick reminder, this show is for entertainment purposes only, my friends. Be sure to seek out a professional for your specific situation. Before we go for the day, I'd like to ask you to do one important thing to support this show. Connect with me and 750 other families in our Thriving Families Facebook group. You can find that at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash community. That's marriagekidsandmoney.com slash community. In fact, I'm going to sign in to the community right now so I can talk about some of the fun things we've got going on. Oh, we've got a post that I've been doing every Wednesday. It's for supporting small businesses, especially very important right now in the quarantine season. So we're trying to support small businesses of the people who are in our group of those 750 members. So if you've got a small business and you want to share what's going on and maybe help your small business thrive in this quarantine season, this is a great place to do it. We put this up every Wednesday and I'll share one of them right now. Carla, who is a longtime member of the Thriving Families Facebook group, posted about how she is a certified personal trainer with Camp Gladiator, and they are offering a program for just $6.50 a week for you to have some live boot camps through Zoom, and that way you can get off the couch and still exercise. So check that out in Thriving Families. Support Carla and we'll just continue supporting each other. That's what we're all about in that community. So again, marriagekidsandmoney.com slash community. That's marriagekidsandmoney.com slash community. Yeah, we're sharing wins and helping other families thrive. In the spirit of growth and inspiration, I'm going to end the show with a quote today from Jean-Paul Sartre. Commitment is an act, not a word. Here's to putting our marriage first, my friends. Carpe diem. 